Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Josh, for asking me to be here. And as we get going, if you would, open your Bibles or your Bible app to Matthew 6. See, all of you brought your Bibles like good disciples uh, that we are, right? Take our Bibles everywhere. (laughs) It's a disciple joke for those of you who may be new to the faith. We never have our Bibles. And, oh, and if you could do me a favor after the service... If you could let Josh know, even if I don't do a good job, if you would just tell him that I did a good job, because he's promised that if I do a good job, he would take me to, I think it's like a French restaurant or something, Apple Bees, so uh, afterwards, so that'd be great. Uh, If you could just tell him that, and I could have some great fine dining after this is all over. All right, so I uh, am an only child, spool rotten brat. I have only one child that I know of. That's probably a terrible joke to say in church. Um... (laughs) See, sometimes things just roll out of my mouth, and I just don't know where they come from. And, uh, you know, I serve one church, I serve one God, and I have one wife. So that's a little bit about me and where I come from. As Josh mentioned, I did grow up in Guthrie, Oklahoma, which right now is filming the Reagan biopic with Dennis Quaid. So Dennis and I have breakfast every morning. Not really. So... um, you know, like I said, I grew up probably traditional family. Mom was the caregiver. Dad was the breadwinner. And I became, over those years, a mama's boy. And, and I wear that badge with pride. You know, a lot of people are like, ooh, mama's boy, and they make fun of you. But I was a mama's boy. I went shopping on Saturday mornings with my mom. And sometimes, you know, on those great days, she would take me to Brahms afterwards, and we would have a hamburger and a glass of milk. I went during the summer... I would go downtown with my mom to her work, and I would go hang out at the library, and we would have lunch together, and, and you know, we just did lots and lots of things together. She was my, my support. When I went off to college, I talked to her almost daily on the phone. I was just who I was and what I did. And then we have a pic here. This was the last event that I attended with my mom. It was Mother's Day at 1995 with my fraternity at the University of Oklahoma. Boomer! Um, Hey, I just want to thank Kansas for rolling out yesterday and playing some good football for us and making us look good. That was great. We need all the help we can get. I'm wearing black. I'm still in mourning from the beating from Kansas State. Um, But anyway, so we we had a great day. It was like one of those perfect days that you experience. You know, we we, we did the stuff with my fraternity. We did the stuff with, I was involved in the campus ministry. We went afterwards the medieval fair was going on there on campus at OU, and so we went and enjoyed the unusual people and the people watching that you do, and we celebrated their uniqueness, which is just a nice way of saying we politely made fun of them, and, uh, and just had a, it was just a, a great, beautiful day, and this was just a, about a couple of weeks before the bombing. And so, you know, and, and when that happened, I, I still remember that. I mean, now I belong to a club that, that I, I don't want to belong to. You know, I'm, I'm part of this, this April 19, 1995 Survivor Club who had someone who died. And, and I remember that morning very well. I had gotten up. I was getting ready to go. I was still in college at the time. I had gone downstairs to get some breakfast. 
And our cook came running in, and he said, did you hear there was an explosion downtown, Oklahoma City? And I said, no. So we turned on the TV, and there was the building. And I had just been there a couple of days before to get the insurance verification for my car. And and I could see where my mom's office was. She worked for the DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration. And uh, we're on the ninth floor, and where that roof flap is, as you're looking at the building on the left side where that roof flap, that's where her office was. And, and I remember being surrounded by family and, and friends in and, and that time. And, and I remember my, my Bible study leader at the time, he shared a couple of scriptures with me that were, that were really helpful. They're, they're, and I would bounce between them. The first one was 2 Corinthians 1, the God of all comfort, right? The God, of, God who comforts us in our troubles. And then the other one was, was Psalm 22, which is the psalm that Jesus quotes from the cross. And, and it begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? And so I would bounce between those things, you know, praising God for being loving and, and, and comforting and going, God, why did you allow this to happen? How could this happen? But, but, but while those helped, there was something growing inside of me that, that I didn't recognize as quickly as the people around me. And that was anger and rage. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she, she saw it. And she suggested that I go to counseling. You know, she's like, I, I can just tell you, you're just acting, you're not, you're not right, and you need help. And so I began to go to counseling. And, and after several weeks, it was one of those things where, where I could voice it, kind of like Pretty Woman, right? I don't know if you, how many of you have seen that movie where, where Richard Gere, and he said, talking about his father, and, and for me, I was very angry. I was very angry with him. I was very angry with Timothy McVeigh for those responsible who killed my mother was very angry with them. And as I processed my feelings, I realized something. Is that anger is what led Timothy to do what he did. To the decision that those 168 men, women, and children no longer deserved to live. And that anger, right? Anger is a secondary emotion. There's always something at the root of our anger that causes it. And for him and for me, that anger was from unforgiveness. See, he hadn't forgiven the government. He, he wanted to seek justice for the government and what they had done at Ruby Ridge and Waco. He, hadn't, he wasn't able to forgive that. And so that anger just welled up in him. And here's the thing. He didn't, he didn't start with a truck rig to explode. That's not, where he, that's not where he began. He began over here where that anger just began to grow. And that unforgiveness just settled in like, a, like a, just a small cancer. And it just it grew and it grew and it grew until he drove that truck to that building and killed my mom along with so many others. He had unresolved anger and forgiveness. And that's what led him to that. So, that's what Josh brought me to, here to talk about is forgiveness. Forgiveness. As you know, and I, and I found this fascinating, is that one in four Christians, according to Pew Research which is like the leading research group, one in four. So 25% of us, of Christians, struggle to forgive. 25%. For a, for a faith that is supposed to be characterized by love, grace, and forgiveness, 25% is, is, is a huge number. So 25% of us struggle with forgiveness. And no doubt, we, we, have, we, have, we don't have trouble with the little things, right? We don't have trouble, you know, if somebody cuts us off, 
in traffic, and we think, you know, and, and we get upset, and we're like, okay, I can forgive that person. You know, they're a child of God, and obviously someone else's child, and they're probably just as disappointed in that person as, as I am, right? And their kids. It's okay to laugh. Um, maybe it just wasn't a good joke. I'll, I'll make a note. I won't tell that in the next service. Um, but it's, it's not the little things. It's, it's the big stuff that we struggle with. Abuse. Neglect. A bad relationship. Politics. Right? right now, there's, I think, and I think there's been forgiveness that's needed to happen in politics for a long time. We've been struggling. Or, or maybe you're like me, and, and, and I hope not, but, but someone, you're having to forgive someone who murdered someone you love. Or, or my friends, maybe, maybe you need to forgive, and this may sound weird, but I know people. Maybe you need to forgive God. Or maybe you need to forgive the church for something that's happened. And I, and I could start with our scripture. Whoa. I could start with our scripture. And I mentioned Matthew 6. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Right? I mean, th- th- this is Jesus talking here. He doesn't stutter. I mean, it's really clear. If, if I don't forgive, then I don't get forgiven. So if I don't forgive, then my salvation... My eternity is in jeopardy. And that's easy, right? I mean, I, I could start with that, and that's, that's the low-hanging fruit. But here's the thing. I think we already know this, and yet we still struggle to forgive. We already know that God knows that the better way to live is through forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. But we still struggle to forgive. So what do we do? Well, I think we need to start in a different place. I think we need to start with misconceptions, misconceptions about forgiveness. And the first one is this. How many of you ever heard, have ever heard forgive and forget? Right? Oh my gosh, that's like the worst. Thing. Next time somebody says, well, just forgive and forget, just slap upside his head and said, well, this guy told me, he said it was okay for me to do that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We can't forget. I cannot forget that my mom is gone. I'm going to live with that for the rest of my life. I can't forget that. I can't forget what happened. Just like so many of us can't forget what happened to us, what was done to us. We can't forget, but we can let go. We can choose to let go. Second misconception, forgiving doesn't mean that we have to go back for more. right? I think sometimes we, we, we feel like that when I've when I, Forgiving, I, I need to you know, still be friends with this person. I just need to keep going back from where God calls me to love this person. Guess what? You can love from a distance. You can, you can, you can set boundaries. You can even sever that relationship. You can still love that person as God calls us to love everyone. But you don't have to, you don't have to be in the same room with that person. You don't have to keep calling that person or taking that person's call. Right? Are you with me? And then the the last misconception that I want to touch on is forgiveness is for you, not them. Forgiveness is for me, not the person who I hurt. Because we may never get the opportunity, to, or that person may never say, I'm sorry. 
for what I did to you. I, I never heard Timothy McVeigh have remorse for what he did. But I have a choice. I have a choice to continue to hold on to that. And, then, and, and thus, when I hold on to that, I'm allowing that person to have the power over me. Right? If I continue to hold on to that, then Timothy McVeigh continues to impact my life more than just taking my mom forever. <clears throat> and, it's, and it becomes, that, that, that unforgiveness becomes a cancer in me just like it did him and will continue to affect me. So forgiveness is for me, not for the person who hurt me. So what is forgiveness? So there's some mis misconceptions. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a choice, first and foremost. Forgiveness is a choice. We choose. We choose to no longer allow that person to continue to have control over us, as I just mentioned. We choose that. See, we can, we can become a victim. We can choose between being a victim or a survivor. It's your choice. And I choose to be a survivor. I choose to not let that one horrific moment in my life define me, define who I am, define the way that I interact with others and with the world. I belong to a club I wish I didn't, but I accept it and I move forward, sharing Christ and growing in faith, or as you put it, bringing heaven to earth wherever I'm at. See, when I, when I tell people my story, often they say, well, wow, I, I had no idea that happened to you. And I think that's, inside I'm like, that's great. That's great. I don't want to be defined by that. Again, that's part of me. It will always be part of me. I will always be a survivor of the Oklahoma City bombing. That's what, that's what they call it. I will always be part of that club. But that's not all of who I am. I want to use what happened to help others, to share my story, to help them process, to help them work through, to help them see hope that we can forgive, that we can have a better way. And that, my friends, that's what a survivor does. Forgiveness means giving up your perceived right to get even. Giving up your right to seek your perceived right for justice. Forgiveness means seeing that person who hurt you as a child of God. And, and when I say that, what I really mean is that, is that seeing that person that, that, that one day, hopefully, prayerfully, all of us who have our hope and faith in Jesus Christ, when we go to heaven and we cross into the whatever, I don't know, let's all, we all say pearly gates. When I, when I walk into the pearly gates, if that person that I can't forgive or I'm struggling with forgiveness greets me with a big old hug at the gates of heaven, if I haven't forgiven that person, then heaven is no longer heaven for me. Right? If you can't forgive whoever it is, and you get there and that person is there, then heaven won't be heaven for you either. So here's the question. I've heard far too many times people say, well, I just, I can never forgive. And is it, can I never forgive or I just won't? 
Because that's the thing. I mean, you've decided now, if you say, I can never forgive, you've decided now that the rest of your life you're going to live with not forgiving that person. You're telling the God of the universe, the God who put the stars in the heaven, who created the Grand Canyon, that that God can't help you overcome, can't help you deal with your forgiveness, can't help you forgive that person. And maybe you're right. Maybe you can't forgive. But I think scriptures are pretty clear. In 2 Corinthians chapter, or chapter 5, when it talks about we are a new creation. right? In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says the Christ in me. right? So, so I'm a new creation. So, so maybe I can't, but the, the Christ in me can. The new creation that I am can forgive. The old me could never have forgiven Timothy McVeigh but the new me can. The Christ in me can forgive. And here's, it, here's the thing. It's going to pop up. right? I, I get reminded daily that my mom is not here. And that anger, that unforgiveness can, can well back up. And I, and I think that's what, what Jesus meant, for me anyway, in Matthew 18, when, he, when he's, Peter comes and he says, hey Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive that person? And Jesus says 70 times 7. Unlimited amount of forgiveness. Because I, I, for me, you know, just, it pops up every now and then. It's just these random times it'll pop up and I have to choose forgiveness again so that I don't hang on to that anger and that cancer. So where are you? What anger are you holding on to? What forgiveness do you need to give? I know it's not easy. Believe me. I know it's not easy. And you may, like me, you may need to get some help, some counseling, some, a professional to help you process and work through those emotions and those feelings. And that is okay to get the help you need. Even Jesus asked for help, right? I don't know if Jesus, you guys know who that is. You really should think about following him. He's awesome and uh, does great things. So be more like Jesus and ask for help. And imagine, imagine what the world would be like if we would all choose forgiveness, what would our family life be like? What would our, 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 our work life be like in our place of work, right? How many of those grudges do you see just kind of under the surface at work? What would our country be like if we could forgive our politics? And what would our world be like if we could choose forgiveness, experiencing the freedom that forgiveness brings? So, let me wrap up. You've heard a little bit about me and my story and how I came to a place of forgiveness. Now, I can tell you that not everyone has, I know for a fact that not everyone has forgiven Timothy for what he did that day. But I have. I have. And I know that my life and my family and the world and God's kingdom is better for it. How about you? Can you forgive? I know you can because I've done it. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your son Jesus who is the ultimate example of forgiveness who is on the cross praying forgiveness over the people who are killing him. God, help us to be more like Christ. Help us to, to claim the Christ in me in the, in the times when we struggle to forgive so that this world can be more like you want it to be. Help us to forgive. 
Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.